Hello. Hi. It's your Academy Age Storyteller, Will, welcoming you back for another exciting episode of our Masks Actual Play podcast, Academy Age. Kind of. Because once again, we are still in the middle of our interstitial story, Fallen Stars, where instead of the teen superheroes that you have grown to know and love, our players have instead created horrific monstrosities who are currently trying to infiltrate a supervillain's summit. If you caught part one, then you're probably already some combination of charmed, disgusted, and terrified of these characters. And fortunately or unfortunately, I can tell you right now, that's not going to change. This arc uses the Fist System by Claymore RPGs. It's a wonderful game. You can find more information about it in the show notes, and I would highly, highly recommend it. And also, while you're down there, you can find all kinds of things, like a link to twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse, where we do the majority of our fundraising and all of the recording of Academy H, plus all of our other live stream shows that don't make it to podcast form. If you're listening to this day of, it's actually not a recording day. We record every other Sunday, so you'll have to catch us next week. But what I will say is you can feel free to say congratulations to our cast member, Brendan, if you pass him on the street, because at least three-fifths of the Academy H cast will be at his wedding this weekend. And I mean, it's going to be hard to top that, but we did our best with this episode. So without further ado, here's part two of our interlude story, Fallen Stars. So, when last we left off, you had just stolen a boat to get to an island, when planes do exist. This will be much cooler for our escape. (laughs) Okay. So, so specifically, I believe also you stole not a speedboat. No. No. All right. But it doesn't matter, because we get there. (laughs) You do get there. You do get there. I think it takes you a little while to get there. It is not fast. At one point, Oswari does have to confess that when he said he knew how to hotwire a boat, he meant that in the past he has hotwired boat similar objects. What are cars? Are we talking about cars? <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of boat adjacent objects. Paddle boats. Paddle boats, yeah. Hotwired yeah. a paddle boat. Absolutely. That's the only one. A go-kart, maybe, here or there. Mm-hmm. So you have been at sea for a while, longer than you would have liked, but now you are drawing close to your destination. You have been able to see it, this kind of mountainous island in the distance for a while now, but you are finally starting to draw close to it. Well, a question. Would I have been able to fly ahead to get a bit of lay of the land? Love that question. I really, really love that question, actually. And yes, I, I think you you definitely would have been able to do that. So what are you looking for when you fly ahead? And what does this look like? I don't think it's the first time since we set out that Watcher has flown away from the boat for a bit. Most of the time, it seemed like more of a way to avoid boredom of this travel but as the island comes into view, they spread their wings once again, just the single pair, not the six that appeared earlier. I will note, because I think until we reach the safe house, none of the others had seen their tattoos. They have been wearing just a t-shirt since they were all burned. And so their tattoos and scars have been visible to you for the first time. Have you given any thought maybe to what those tattoos might look like? I see the tattoos as being very geometric, but also very chaotic, where there seem to be symbols that you would not see together, whether it is religious iconography along with, say, more pagan iconography, It looks like people basically put whatever they could on their body to create the seal, effectively. And the tattoos are consistently pulsing with this reddish light uh, that can be seen now that they are in a t-shirt, even through the cloth. Hey, 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 Washer, um, you're, uh, uh, you're, you're leaking a little bit. And they look down at themselves and look very confused and... Say, I I don't see any water. No, never mind. You're, you're, you're good, bro. You're good. 
and you spread your wings and take to the sky. Start winging your way over the ocean. Uh, It's very beautiful out here, actually. The sun is shining off of the water, sparkling down below. I imagine Watcher probably has never seen anything like this before, or at least not as far as you're aware because you were kind of found and then more or less ended up at Interspec right after that and kind of been only going out on missions, I think. It's, uh, It's profound, maybe. I always saw flying as very peaceful to them, and especially seeing a sight like this, they just take in a deep breath and let it out, and you would not realize, if you were just looking at them in this moment, that they were heading to an island made of death. They seem quite content in this moment. That is so beautiful. Roll reflexive. That is an eight. Fantastic. With an eight, you have like your eyes closed and you're kind of just coasting on these thermals. Shout out to Animorphs. And it's very peaceful. It's very serene. All of a sudden, you hear a screech far closer to you than you would like. Your eyes snap open and you see a dinosaur diving towards you. It has leathery wings a large crest that is kind of swept back, a very long, sharp beak. It is about twice your size, roughly. It's basically dive-bombing you. But you manage to tuck your wings in, and you roll out of the way in the air, snap them back open and catch yourself, and the pteranodon has passed you, essentially. It is now kind of behind you, but you can see that it is winging around to head back to you. What would you like to do? First, how close am I to the island at this time? To try to beat it there? Is that your goal? That could be a goal. I'm considering my options. Okay. You could maybe make a break for it. If you are fast enough, you could get there before it. You could definitely get there before you're too tired to keep flying. You're close enough for that. I think Watcher considers that for a moment and instead goes to kind of once again tuck themselves and roll out of the way, but this time turning themselves back towards the boat to rejoin the others. I will need you to roll reflexive again for that to try to get past the the pteranodon. That is a seven. Okay. Uh, Same ballpark. So you can do it, but it's going to cost you something. And I think what it's going to cost you is you are going to get scratched as you fly by this thing. It is going to kind of reach out with one of those sharp nailed talons, and it is going to rake across your back as you try to go under it, essentially. So you're going to take a little bit of damage, but it is not going to be able to stop you from getting where you want to go. Um, You can take two points of damage. And does it hit my back or does it hit one of my wings? I'm going to say back because you did succeed. You do get scratched for your trouble, but it could be a lot worse. It snags the area between your wings, like your shoulder blades. So you are bleeding a little bit, but you are past the dinosaur, and you can make your way back to the boat. Anyone who is standing out on deck would see this go down from afar, and then you would see Watcher kind of drop into a dive and try to go under this dinosaur as it's wheeling around to come after him again, and fly as quickly as he possibly can back to the ship. He outpaces the dinosaur, but it is still hot on his tail, and he kind of, like, lands superhero style in the middle of the deck, I imagine, with the wings spread out. You tuck him back, there's, like, that burning pain between your shoulder blades, and the rest of you see that the dinosaur is approaching the ship now. What is that? It's bad news, kid. A sword is a close-range weapon, but I like to think that this could be used in a way to, like, send energy slashes as sort of a ranged attack. Interesting. (laughs) I mean, that feels within the spirit of the system. I will say that I think one of the tricky things about this system is that there are just a such a sheer number of traits. We kind of have to stick to the letter of a lot of the text of the traits, um, just because you could have any of these, theoretically, but you have two. Do you think there's a thing in one of your traits that justifies this? So it says I can cut 
anything, but it doesn't say, like... I think if I can I- extend my aura to conduct it between bodies, I could use that to justify using this slash range. You know what? I think that is fair. And so I'll let you decide if you think this is more forceful or reflexive. Mm, I think since it's like ranged, I would say it's reflexive. Okay. But I have the same bonus in both. So. Okay, cool. Roll reflexive. All right. I got a nine. Very cool. So with a nine, you have a partial success. So go ahead and roll your damage, but this is going to cost you. Something is going to happen as a result of this. 1d6 plus 1. 3 plus 1, 4 damage. Very cool. All right. Yeah, awesome. So you send a slash of this green energy flying out at the Pteranodon as it is approaching you, and you hit it dead on. There is no, like, glint of recognition in its eyes for what this might be. It does not recognize your, like, energy blade as a threat. Like, it's never seen anything like that before, or at least that's how it appears. What is going to happen now is it is going to land on the deck of the ship, but it's not going to land on the deck of the ship. Uh, So it kind of hits its shoulder first because it is very badly injured. And now it is just kind of in the middle of everything thrashing around and is going to lash out, not at anybody in particular, with both of its huge leathery wings. And I think I want the Sorrows to make a reflexive check to try to get out of the way as well. Okay, no problem. And just remind me, it is 2d6. Yes? 2d6. Okay. Uh, That is a 9. A6 and a 3. My reflex is flat. Uh, Okay, great. Yeah, you can absolutely do it. What I will say is that you managed to get out of the way of the wings coming in. What does it look like when the sorrows moves quickly? So I think when the Sorrows needs to do something really fast or self-preservation related, they instinctively force the body they are in to do something spider-like. And and I think that the closest way a human body can move like a spider is to just drop down into a crab walk position. I guess you'd be right. Right. So, so, the, so the Denison Wing is coming towards the Sorrows and like as it goes to hit them, as if a string is like cut on a puppet, the whole upper body from the knees up just drops backwards onto their hands into a crab walk position. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Uh, and then uh, with an alarming amount of speed, they just scuttle. <laughs> they just scuttle along the ship deck out of the way. And then they get to the other side and they just kind of like hover there doing that little like bounce thing that spiders do sometimes uh, in the crab walk position. Just Hanging out. Crabbock home? Crabbock home. Crabbock home. Crabbock and home. Fantastic. Yeah, so you managed to get out of the way of that wing attack entirely, but this ship has an engine. It is just not a fast boat. Correct. So what is going to happen is the dinosaur in thrashing around is going to knock over a gas can that is sitting at the front of the desk, and it is going to spill gasoline across the deck of your ship. There's nothing to ignite it currently, but your ship is now soaked in gasoline. And also, that might have been your fuel reserve to get out of here. Uh, does anybody want the spotlight for this thrashing dinosaur? So the Saros would like to do something. Yes. The other trait that I took for this character is the Hex trait, which lets me cast a spell on another creature. And I think what I want to do is I want them to stop thrashing and potentially sinking the boat. So I think the Saros just wants them to stop breathing. So how I want to cast this particular hex is that the Sorrows scuttles, (laughs) scuttles over to a safer part of the deck, and then they just sort of stand up uh, in that same mechanical way that they went into the crab walk position, just at the knees, like a vampire rising from their coffin, just straight up. And then they will do that thing that they do where they distend their jaw super wide and just spill out a bunch of spiders from their mouth which are going to run over to the dinosaur and start biting it and burrowing into the skin so that it can uh, control the dinosaur. Just did that thing, that thing they do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> very, we've all seen it. Very normal, normal spider thing. Very normal thing. Very normal things happening. I just wish you'd give it the gravity that it deserves when you say these I things. Am, I am. Listen, the Sorrows is taking this very seriously, and so am I. So I, I don't 
Don't make faces. I'm going to make faces, but... <laughs> anyway, uh, I am going to roll with creative, which is a 10. Oh, uh, and also when the Sorrows is using Hex, they're also affected by it. So it says until you, until you break the Hex, it applies to you as well. Which is fine because spiders can hold their breath for, uh, I forget if it's 40 minutes or 40 hours. But either way, the spiders can hold their breath longer than the dinosaur can, I'm pretty sure. So the sorrows will also just stop moving and will just be standing eerily still on the deck of the ship, just looking at it. Amazing and fantastic. That is very cool. So I think what the rest of you are going to see, what I'm going to say is that the thrashing starts to get jerkier. You can see the dinosaur shaking, but its muscles don't seem to be working anymore. Like they've atrophied or stiffened to the point where even though it is trying to move and is kind of seizing around, it is not succeeding. And would would anybody like to put this poor creature out of its misery? I can. (laughs) Please do. I cannot. (laughs) I am going to cut it. I can cut something perfectly in half as long as you identify its unique fracture point by rolling 1d6 and correctly predicting the result. So what I'm going to try and do is say the fracture point is its beak. I'm going to predict, let's say a four, shall we? And I rolled, I rolled a one. So that doesn't happen. And instead I just kind of hit it with a sword and it's just like, what are you doing? That's fine though. That's probably enough because I imagine you'd still do damage. Um, It doesn't say I do. Okay. What I think would probably be the case is like, instead of you doing your trait move where you just cut something in half, you are just attacking. So I would say in this case, roll with forceful. And that'll be a nine again. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So roll your damage, 1d6 plus one. And that will be for two whole damage. Normally with a roll like that, something bad or complicated would happen, but that is enough to put the pterodactyl out of its misery. So you do carve it up, not as cleanly as you would have licked or as cleanly as you are able to sometimes, but in this particular case, between the paralytic venom of the alien spiders and the cut that it already had, it stops moving. The twitching that you see in its muscles stills, and it is dead. I hate dinosaurs so much. This was my first one, I think. Oz, can you help me get this thing off the boat? Watching Oz try to move the dinosaur, corpse is kind of like uh, watching a hot water bottle wrestle another hot water bottle. I fucking hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Keep describing things, please. <laughs> No, yeah, eventually, uh, yeah, Oz will help Seed get it overboard. Though probably by this point uh, in the process, I think Oz has also become thoroughly saturated with gasoline. That makes sense. And I think that is a fair statement to say for all of you at this point. Or at least if you have made contact with the Pteranodon corpse, you have been covered in gasoline. Sounds like Watcher's kind of staying back. Doesn't want to get his hands dirty, you know? Not, not so much. I was just making a note of it so I could pull it out at a later and very inconvenient time. You know? That it was suffused with gasoline. We don't really have conditions in this system, but everybody take the condition soaked in gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> and then once the Pteranodon is off, I'm going to use my aura to heal the damage Watcher took from it. Very cool. Does that just heal all the damage? So it'll be 1d6 for every 10 minutes, but I assume it's going to take us more than 20 minutes to get to the thing. So I assume I don't need to roll. We'll just hang out for 20 minutes with my hand on Watcher. I apologize that Watcher asked you a lot of questions about dinosaurs. Seed will answer them, but it'll be like a parent just trying to get through this kind of energy. It'll just be like, yeah, they're mean. I I don't know their names. After I kill something, I do not research it. Yes, some of them are very pretty. No, you can't have one as a pet. But I don't know, maybe they got uh, movies on, on, like, you know, Mysterious Death Island here. I, I honestly, I'm going to show you, like, all the Ray Harryhausen movies. They're going to tell you, like, literally everything you need to know. I would like that. I would like that a lot. I've never had a pet. <laughs> I was classified as a pet from 
2003 to 2007 until uh, they decided I was not safe enough for traditional domestication. I don't think we have time to unpack that. (laughs) And at this point, you are close enough to Lotus Island that you can see the vague shapes of what are clearly more of these winged dinosaurs. None of them seem to be going out of their way to cause trouble for you or attack you. And actually, I think as you notice that and as you get close, you would hear the loud noise of helicopter blades overhead as a helicopter flies right over your boat, making a direct beeline for the island itself. The dinosaurs that are flying around overhead appear to have some experience with this because they get out of the way. They avoid this thing entirely, basically scatter. And you see, as you keep following the the line of the helicopter, it flies directly towards the mountain. I think from your vantage point, you'd be able to see a section of the mountainside itself basically slides open in two different directions. Like there are two large metal doors set into the side of the mountain that slide open and the helicopter basically just flies inside of that and the doors seem to close behind it. As far as you all are concerned, you can see the shore. You can see like the sandy beach of the island itself, but you don't see a dock or like a port or anything like that. All right. Well, it's going to just going to kind of like parallel park the boat up on the beach. Yeah, you park the boat. I mean, literally, like you're not supposed to do this because us is just going to run the boat aground in the absence of an obvious place to, to decamp. Us will just run the boat aground. That makes perfect sense. And now you are basically at the base of this mountain on the on the island that takes up the bulk of it, just kind of looking up at it. And there is jungle ahead of you. There's a tree line. What would you like to do? Seed is going to unsheath their sword and start using it as a giant machete to basically just start cutting through foliage. Well, are we going to go up the side of the mountain or... Would it be better to maybe just go parallel down the beach to where we saw that airfield and maybe the, there are like shuttles or something that can take us? I thought the airfield was up the mountain. Yeah, the helicopter basically flew into the side of the mountain much higher up. So as far as you can tell, everything that you would need to find is like up at the top. Approaching the island itself, you didn't see anything except for that opening that appeared when the helicopter flew in. This is either a test or everyone's going to make fun of us for coming via boat. I am already regretting eating all the trail mix on the boat. Do we want to mess around with figuring out how to secure a helicopter to fly ourselves up there? Or do we just want to get to step in? I can fly, but just myself. I've piloted helicopter similar objects. Okay, you said that about the boat, and now the boat is crashed. So I need you to explain what a helicopter similar object is. Microsoft Flight Simulator. It was a kite. <laughs> One of those, like, ripcord flying things. <laughs> it was dragonflies, all right? Remember the dragonflies toys? It was dragonflies is what it was. Little spinny things? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. For boys, though. For boys only. I'm so glad you have the technicalities of working a Beyblade to try and fly us into a mountain. Hey, hey, they are athletes. How dare you? So maybe then if we if we don't want to waste time going over to get a helicopter, if we can't get a helicopter, maybe we can get some other dinosaurs because if we find more dinosaurs... Uh, if if we come across some other dinosaurs, I could try to control them as well. I don't need to be very close because I could spit the spiders at them long distance. The sorrows, I like where your head is at, but maybe wait to... We'll make spitting spiders plan... Uh, you know what? Let's go all the way down to F. I think, I think that's how far down we should maybe put that. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say that, the, the sorrows nods at that very seriously. And then they say... Yes, plan F for spitting. (laughs) The most worthwhile part of this game is Jamie having to reap what they've sown over the course of 20 episodes (laughs) in the main show. (laughs) 
I'll be honest, spitting spiders is really cool and it hurt me to say that. I really would like to be like... Now you know how everybody else feels whenever Danny steals something and they have to be like, Danny, don't steal things. It hurt him to say it, but it needed to be said. Yeah. Fantastic. So you are cutting your way through the jungle, basically trying to get up the side of the mountain to reach whatever is at the top. It's slow going. The jungle is very dense, very thick, even with your energy sword cutting through it. As you are making your way through, I think you are hearing plenty of sounds. Some of them are just like big stomping sounds. You can tell that there are large creatures somewhere in this jungle. You can hear the occasional cry of an animal that you do not recognize. Safe to assume the sound of a dinosaur. But I think for the time being, you actually don't run into any more trouble. Maybe occasionally out of the corners of your eyes, you would glimpse much smaller dinosaurs, like roughly the size of you, but they don't seem to be interested in causing problems for you. They kind of just appear in your peripheral vision and then disappear just as quickly. Even though it is very slow going, you do make your way up the mountain, get very sweaty and tired in the process. Those of you that can sweat and get tired. The sorrows cannot sweat. Yeah, I feel like Ossuary doesn't either, so... I appreciate you not describing Ossuary sweating as, like, one of those uh, grippy things from, like, the National Geographic store (laughs) where you can't ever grab it in the middle. I mean, why do I need to when you just did? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) This is where my head's at now, thanks to this game. Trapped in a nightmare of my own making. When I do my job well, I don't have to do it at all. I am one of the least horrifying, so thank me for that. That's true. Thank me for that. For now. For now. Maybe we should have turned Ossuary into like a hot air balloon and then had him hold on to us or we hold on to him and then like <laughs> drifted us the rest of the way up the mountain because we're going to be so gross when we when we find people. So, very sweaty and very tired, you do start to see something up ahead of you shining in the sunlight. You can tell that it is not made of wood. There's nothing growing on it. As far as you can tell, you see the glint on like metal and glass. And then as you reach the edge of the jungle, basically heading straight up the side of the mountain, you can see a facility of some kind, a structure ahead of you. It has kind of been set on a elevated platform an unnaturally flattened section of the mountain itself, and it appears to be built directly into the side. The facility itself appears to be in rough shape, or at the very least, dirty. It looks like it has sat unused for a very long time, although overall, it's not falling down, it's not crumbling or anything like that. As you reach the edge of the tree line, you can see that structure up ahead of you, and you can see a heavy set of stairs leading up to an equally large set of double doors. And at one point, there was some kind of symbol either painted on the wall or carved into the wall, you're not sure. But it has long since been worn away by the passage of time. We wouldn't even be able to guess at what it might have been. Um, you know what? Let's roll plus creative and see what happens. I have a flat creative. It's not negative, but I can roll it. I can roll it too. (laughs) It's flat. We're not a terribly, like, mind-heavy bunch as a rule. <laughs> Did I forget to tell you all that the Lotus Group is going to be testing you with art projects? <laughs> yeah. It's like joining that cult in college all over again. <laughs> Does somebody want to roll? Because I feel like I've rolled the most this session. Sure, I'll roll flat. I think it's fair to say I shouldn't roll because I was going to make an argument for tactical because that is knowledge, but I don't have any memory. So uh, I feel like me trying to figure this out probably doesn't make sense. Yeah, Oz has had a long life. Let's see it. Oh, all right. Well, well, that's boxcars. So what does that mean? What is boxcars? Two sixes. Oh, cool. I snake eyes. Yeah, it's not as we have established six snakes. That is not what it is. That's Julia's other character. (laughs) Yeah, six snakes in a trench coat. So, Ossuary, you see that symbol on the wall, and you kind of walk up to it. You clear away some of the dirt and the grime just enough to put together in your head that what this probably was when it was originally placed there 
is a lotus, similar to the marking on the box that you received. Do I get a sense of how old this building is? Is this a thing where, like, it could be, like, an old compound that has been here for several decades? Or is this, like, something where the symbol is much older than the group? Or the group is much older than we thought it was? With boxcars, I would say that this looks like a couple decades. Cool. Okay. Island compound doing some lost stuff. Yeah. Kind of getting a Dharma group vibe. Cool. 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 Well, I think we found the place. Yeah. Maybe they've moved on. That or, man, like the florist managed to make a living on this island somehow. Even if they are no longer home, there might still be some data to collect inside. Yeah, I feel like we should probably at least check it out. And uh, I guess with that, Ossuary actually try to see if he can not go in the front door. We'll try to like other windows on the building anywhere. I think a lot of the buildings actually glass, at least the part that is facing out towards the jungle is just like glass enclosure, but it is very dirty. So it's hard for you to see past any of that. It doesn't appear to be broken. Could I try to kind of climb up the side a little bit to try to find a patch that is less dirty that I could try to peek inside? I think that is perfectly reasonable. Would that be? I was hoping reflexive. Yeah, I think reflexive makes sense. You're climbing. Yeah, I'm a one good stat. Go. All right, uh, that is an eight. So you will do it, but there will be a a complication or something that happens. Um, You can kind of scale the wall, and I hesitate to ask this, but what does that look like? Uh, So you know what you mentioned earlier about those things from the science store that you can't ever, like, grab onto because they're always perpetually donutting in on themselves? Sure do. It's like when you stick one of them to the wall and you see it kind of, like, fall down, except in reverse. Amazing. Terrible. So you make your way up the side of the glass enclosure to a section that appears, for whatever reason, to not be as dirty. Um, Maybe it's shielded from some of the elements by a slight overhang. And when you reach that overhang and kind of peek your head over and try to take a look inside, you do see movement beyond. And you can see that there are people inside. It's hard to make out any more details than that, But I think as you are hanging there, you would even hear music, like piano music. I hesitate to ask what my complication is going to be. I'll get to it. Okay. I just want to know what you're going to do next. What's your move? I should go back to the group and tell them what I have found. But I am probably instead going to try and find another spot that I can get a better look from and or listen closer to try and see if I can make out what the deal is with that music. Absolutely. So from where you are standing, or from where you are hanging, you look over and you see that there is another pane that is even less dirty than the one that you are currently peeking through. But it is a little bit higher up. Yeah, that seems fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's go for it. And you kind of do that same thing. You kind of just slap your loose flesh onto it and start climbing through that way. But this pane, unfortunately, appears to have come loose at some point in its long tenure and it is going to fall out of its setting and you can let it go it's not going to drag you down with it but it is going to be thrown off kilter by the fact that you are stuck to it and it is going to kind of tumble end over end and then hit the other glass below it so i have a wager for you game master yes can i make a reflexive roll to see if I can thrust myself into the opening and stretching myself out, catch the glass before it actually falls all the way down in a sort of daring, dangling maneuver partially inside. But obviously, if I fail, I am presumably going ass over tea kettle directly onto the floor of this thing inside. I'll allow it. I decided to play the wild card role in how life is imitating art. All right, cool. It is a five, and I do not know the system very well. Do I get anything with a five? No. Standard Powered by the Apocalypse, seven to nine is a mixed success. Ten plus is a success. Okay, well, no. All right. Where's the beef? Uh, It's here. It's me. I'm beefing. You wedge yourself very quickly, very fluidly into the gap as the glass falls, and you extend your, your body to try to catch 
the pain before it hits the ground. And I think you succeed. You do manage to catch it. But in the process, you completely lose your balance. I'm even going to go so far as to say that you do the like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yep. And you make a lot of noise and you tumble into the facility itself. You hit the ground hard. You land on this like marble floor, which is immaculate and spotless with a, I can only assume, a sort of wet splat. Mm -hmm. And in the process, your arms come down like Looney Tunes. And unfortunately, the pane of glass that you're holding onto hits the marble anyway, and then shatters into a million pieces as if you hadn't made enough noise. And I think that music that you were hearing, the piano music, stops. A lot of heads turn to look at you all at once. Uh So we watched that happen to us, and the I think the sorrows leans towards Seed and says, "That wasn't supposed to happen, was it?" No. No, it was not. What should we do? Well, let's assume Ossuary's not going to be murdered immediately, and let's just knock on the door. Probably should have done that anyway. I think the Sorrows should do that. They are really good at greeting people. Why not? And they kind of like perk up at that and they say, I will be happy to do it. So are you marching up to the large glass double doors? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so to be sure, when Oz just fell in, the Sorrows just now assumes they know that we are here. So stealth seems unnecessary at this moment. Fair. Suffice it to say he failed. So the Sorrows walks up to the double doors, takes one of those little, like, <sighs> breaths that they do when they uh, are preparing to do some human action, and then they will knock, three little polite knocks on the door, and then wait with their hands clasped behind their back. Nobody comes to let you in, but you can kind of look beyond and see there's like a foyer. So there's this first set of glass doors, and then you're in kind of a small, very short brief foyer, and then there's another set of doors leading into the facility itself. Given that nobody comes and lets them in, the Sorrows will pull on the doors to the foyer and see if if they are unlocked. They do open for you. They are not locked. Awesome. Then seeing that the Sorrows just walks straight in towards the next set of doors. The two of you would see the Sorrows just like knock open the door, and then walk in. Seed will follow. Watcher will follow. And so you are in the foyer, and I think from where you are standing, as soon as you get into the building past those first glass doors, it is immaculate in here. Everything is very well taken care of. Everything is sparkling clean. The glass enclosure of the foyer that you are currently standing in is perfectly see-through, and you can see exactly what's going on. You can see a lot of people gathering and staring at Ossuary, who is pulling himself up from where he laid it on the floor and the glass shards around him. What's up, jabronis? A man is going to step out from the assembled. You see a lot of faces looking back at you. Some of them are very normal-looking and very plain-looking. Some of them are not. Some of them are very weird and have very um, distinct features, shall we say. There's a very large variety of people who are gathered here, clearly. Your line having broken the tension somewhat, the music is going to resume. People are going to largely go back to what they were doing before. But a very serious-looking, kind of dour man with a displeased expression is going to step forward. And he is wearing this black, high-collared jacket, black gloves. He's kind of wearing black head-to-toe, except... The emblem of the lotus is emblazoned over the breast of his jacket, which is buttoned, closed, in front of him. And he has a shock of red hair that is shaved on the sides, kind of sweeps back to the edge of his neck. He has very, very sharp features. And he will stand above you, kind of look down and say, Are you well, sir? I'll walk it off. When I see them talking, I'm going to open that next set of doors. Sorry, that's that's my muscle. I'm so sorry. I that's that's mine. That is that is our muscle. I'm so sorry. 
and he will take a step back, seeing all of you enter, and he will look over the four of you, as sweaty as you are, covered in gasoline as you are, and he will say, Ah, I see you took the long way. Well, you know, it is the time for the scenic route. I can only fly myself. And I can't fly at all. So you understand why we came the way we did. Very good. Have you brought your invitation? Pizarro's perks up from where they are standing behind Seed with one of those little, like, ah, uh, noises. And they will swing their backpack off of their back onto the ground and dig into it for the box that we got from the telegram. And then we'll hold it out towards the man uh, with the trademark big old Sorrow's grin with the half dilated eyes that just like stare directly at this man. Honestly, I'm just glad it's in your backpack and not like your stomach or something. No, no, I thought about it. I thought about it, but no. I thought you were gonna. (laughs) So I think the only way the Sorrows generally swallows is like their ritual dagger or like smaller objects. Because while they can unhinge their jaw, they are limited by the limitations of the body that they are inhabiting. So I don't think they could have justified swallowing it. I did think about it, though. I did think about it, though, but I didn't think this little human esophagus would survive swallowing the box. A lot of jaws unhinging in this episode is all I'm saying. Yeah. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. (laughs) I'll swear we can't relate. He will receive the package from you and he will open it and he will lay his hand on top of it. The aperture opens and that same sort of hologram appears. But instead of being a person this time, it is some kind of square display. It's clearly displaying some kind of information to him, but it it looks like only he can see it. You're not seeing anything from the other side of the hologram. And he kind of glances over it, holds one hand out, starts flicking through it and says, Ah, you are the former star agents. Yep. They just couldn't handle how cool we are. Interesting. I know that my employer has been very interested in meeting you. Oh, that's so kind. We would love to meet him. Watcher? Sorrows? Oz? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, sure. I like meeting new people. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry about the, the, the whole your window thing. I imagine in due time all things will come to pass satisfactorily. But... For now, I perhaps you may want to kill look over you all meaningfully again and say, clean up before you join the assemblage. It's very kind of you to offer. And he'll pause for a second and then look back at you and say, I'm sorry, forgetting my manners. You can call me Sinner. Is it Sinner with an S or Sinner with a C? Great question, the sorrows. Follow up, um, can can I call you Sin? No. And it's with an S. With an S. Good. And are you happy with that name? Deeply. And he will start leading you away. If you follow after him, he will lead you through the party. And as you start moving through the facility, you probably... Before he leads all of us out of here, if I can, there's one thing I want to do. As we walk through this room, the Sorrows wants to drop like a few of their spiders out camp out in a few spots in the room to be our eyes and ears out here if that is something that I can do. Sure, I think. Boy, oh boy. I guess that would be tactical. My thought is that's tactical, because you're trying to do it surreptitiously so that you're not noticed. Uh, that is an 11. Amazing. Then I will say... You can put your spiders anywhere in the room you want to. Perfect. Okay, so as they follow center, a few spiders kind of crawl out from the bottom of their pants legs and scamper off through the crowd. And I think a few are going to climb up to like the corners of the room and stuff so that they can get like a vantage point. A few are going to attach to the people who are more like dressed like waitstaff. We're just like walking through the room and so like are going from like group to group and then but I definitely want to place some spider spies on the underside of the refreshment tables and things like that to just you know listen in just like hang out 
over by the punch bowl and get all get all the hot goss. Yeah. Just listen in, you know, normal spider things. While we're walking through the room, Seed will also be like studying faces, playing the role of Country Bumpkin of being like, ooh, hey. But in fact, just like intensely studying faces to see if there's anybody they are aware of. I think you do definitely recognize a few people from the labyrinth. You've been with Interspec for long enough that you're pretty familiar with the prison roster, and you know that thanks to the jailbreak, quite a few supervillains got loose, and you were definitely seeing some of them. As you were moving through, you maybe get the impression that you're not the only one recognizing them. They might also be recognizing you. It's hard to tell. That's fine. It's definitely fine. There's nothing to worry about there. That guy beat me up once. Yeah, I'm just, oh, hey, oh, that guy, ooh, mean right hook. Oh, that dude over there, he once froze my butt to my hands. That guy's just made of toys. I heard he died. (laughs) I will say, while Oss is hamming it up a bit, he is actually going to be scanning the room to see if there is anybody here that he recognizes from his previous interactions with Lotus Group. Hmm, interesting any people from Lotus Group that he would recall any information about. I think that would also be tactical. So, just give me a tactical roll. Do a tactic. That is an eight. With an eight, you are being led through the party, and you're kind of scanning the area. Sars, you've put some spiders in strategic places. Seed, you are giving and receiving glares in kind. And Oswari, you take a look around and you see someone you do recognize standing, I think, by the piano. You would recognize Dr. Harrison. And I don't think you ever really got another name for him. Your interactions with him would have been brief at best, but he was the lead doctor on your procedure. He is a very unobtrusive man, looks very much the part of a scientist. He is um, a little bit below average height, mostly bald, except for a few patches that are still remaining, very thick glasses. He is not wearing his lab coat. He is wearing just kind of a cardigan buttoned in front over like a button-down shirt. There is maybe a brief moment that passes between the two of you. But then, one moment, you are staring at Dr. Harrison, and he is staring back at you. And the next you hear the sound of a gun firing. Your eyes travel up from where you have met Dr. Harrison's eyes to the bullet hole that is now in the center of his forehead. He falls to the ground, immediately dead. The music, once again, stops. Whoever is playing the piano stops. An air of shock falls over the entire party. You follow the line from the shot. You are not the only one who does so. Everyone's heads are kind of swiveling in the same direction, and you see coming down a old metal spiral staircase, a man who is dressed very similar to Sinner, that same sort of high-collared black jacket with the white lotus on the breast, only he has a smooth white facade over where his face should be, and in one hand he is holding a, a literal smoking gun. As he reaches the bottom of the staircase, Sinner will sigh and step away from all of you and just hold one hand out. As he reaches the bottom, the man in the white mask will just place the gun in Sinner's hand as if he was just handing over a jacket. And he will turn one circle around the spiral staircase and step out in front of the assemblage and kind of dust his hands off as he approaches Dr. Harrison's body. He will speak at that point, and he will say, Dr. Harrison was once a respected member of the Lotus Group. An important one. Early on in our research and our efforts, he pioneered many procedures. Dr. Harrison also had a penchant for talking, and I'm afraid he has divulged a few too many of the Lotus Group's secrets over the years. So while we recognize his many contributions, his time was past. He's looking down at the body as he says this, and then he turns, all eyes on him, 
clearly giving a performance. And he will say, Welcome to our many, many new friends. Some of you may know me. Some of you may not. For those of you who don't, you may call me Kingside. Welcome to Lotus Island. This is where it all began. And this is where our next phase will take root and grow. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, Blue Sky at Live from the Apocalypse.com, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow the show on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, it really does help us out so much. The donation link to our current charity fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help us support worthy causes. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so, so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound, Dark Fantasy Studios, and Krotos Sound. Character art by at Draws on Twitter and Instagram. For sharing the child abducting balloon, is very good. <laughs> That's the one that steals kids. Uh, one time on yieldtumblr.com, one of my mutuals was like, Like this post, and I'll tell you what kind of Pokemon you remind me of. So I did, and then they just like told me I reminded them of a Drifloon with like no context and no follow up. And now I just think about that a lot. <laughs> but... What a fucked up thing to say to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>